We are Wrestling Elitists. I'm your co-host, Chris Scott Moore, joined as always with Alex Goonhan Gibson and Sean Pimps Up, Hose Down, Nash. Peace, love, and pro wrestling, boys. How's it going? Hello, humanoids. We in the house. <laughs> <laughs> you, that's brilliant of you. Double or nothing is this week, and boy, oh boy, can't we wait to talk about it. <laughs> We've got a lot of shit to discuss today. As always, thanks for streaming this episode. If you'd like to continue to support the podcast, give us a five-star review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast, especially this intro. Uh, please continue to support the show by sharing the podcast with fellow wrestling fans. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Wrestling Elitist Podcast. And finally, please visit our website at WrestlingElitist.com. Sean, can you please give a rundown for what the show uh, we'll be discussing today. As soon as we went off the air last week, the news started coming in. So we got us, we got to start off with that. We got to catch up with what we missed. Then we're going to give you our match of the week, moments of the week, news or and cringeworthy items of the week, and then leave you off with what we're looking forward to this coming weekend. Yeah, and we're obviously looking forward to spending some time together and hanging out in downtown Plymouth. Always love or nothing. It's the highlight of your lives uh, each year. So mm-hmm. this is going to be yep. the greatest week of your life. Uh, but first, it was kind of a rough week for some people in the industry. Alex, start us off with the news. Yeah, so we'll start with uh, Sasha and Naomi. They've really had a, uh, a week where we have heard quite a bit of things coming out. It's been quite an interesting time with around this time, I guess, last week. It would have been unfolding. Yeah. They walked out on Raw. Some reports are saying before it started. Some reports are saying in the middle of it, right before the uh, main event. If you uh, really understand how WWE works, it's probably the one that they're not putting out there. So it's probably before Raw started. Um, <laughs> but but the, the main keys of that, for those who are not aware currently, is essentially Sasha and Naomi went into creative, said that they didn't agree with the way that a match was going to end in the main event. I uh, was going to make the female tag team titles get a little bit devalued. And then um, from there, they ended up moving towards, uh, you know, saying, hey, what if we do X, Y, Z? Still, we're getting denied. And then ended up putting their tag titles down on the table and walked out. Uh, after that, there was a press release that came out. And I'm going to let Chris go ahead and jump into that. Uh, before we start really analyzing it. Yeah, because this is fucking amazing. So uh, and, and let me just get you up to speed because, Alex, you kind of said the first part, but the next section of it was uh, they claimed they weren't respected enough as tag team champions. And even though they had eight hours to rehearse and construct their match, they claimed they were uncomfortable in the ring with two of their opponents, even though they've had matches with those individuals in the past with no consequences. This is the bonkers part monday night raw is a scripted live tv show whose characters are expected to perform the requirements of their contract we regret we were unable to deliver as advertised tonight's main event <laughs> wild so wild. okay what stands out to you about that oh, just playing the victim in the the card subject to yeah. change like for years that's what they live by Sean and I went to, I think the last Raw that we went to. Oh my God. It was, it was leading up to WrestleMania. The week before they announced Ronda Rousey will be at every single Raw. Every show. Up until and through WrestleMania. The next week, 
she just no showed and there was no storyline reason, no nothing. No she nothing. Just wasn't there. WWE is notorious for the cards being subject to right. change and them changing it and it never being anybody's fault. That's just the way the business works. And I think that that is what kind of comes off as gross about this is even if that is the case, I think that as independent contractors, they should get a chance to say what it is that they work on and what their projects are. I think if the, if they were just mad that they were losing, that's one thing. But if they were trying to voice their concerns, they were being heard, they were being dismissed, it sounds like, and even potentially yelled at for it all. I, I don't blame them for walking out. And I think that really as fans, if they would have gone out in the mindset that they seem to have been that made them so angry to leave, would they have even put on a good show? Like how, how could you in that moment? And then you're having to be entrusted with other people's safety in the ring when you're yeah. in that mindset. Really getting away was probably the best thing. And, and we weren't there for the arguments. We weren't there for any of it. But I do know that there was a way for WWE to put out a press release that would actually make this look like WWE was in the right, or at least that sure. the girls maybe were in the wrong a little bit. Uh, in this case, I read this and I feel like they know that they screwed up and they wanted to jump out in front of it before everybody else. And it just came off as, to be honest, pretty gross. Yeah. And then throw on top, just the immediately dragging them through the commentary table, having Corey Graves go on and say it. And then again, Michael Cole's on SmackDown saying the same thing. It's just, and Pat McAfee, that's his name, Chris, a great face just throughout <laughs> the whole thing. I'm like, are you fucking yeah. kidding me with this? Like, he he's high as hell too but damn he has yeah. he was right on board with us well i like too how even in this press release first they say that like they don't respect their peers they make up this story about how they don't want to do business with i'm guessing Dodrop and nikki ash who they wanted to put over supposedly that got leaked out i mean who knows if that's true whatever but and then this whole part about the scripted lie tv show so i see this as just a transparent attempt to fuck sasha um with disney and other acting gigs of saying she doesn't want to follow mm. the script she doesn't want to be she doesn't want to she doesn't believe in the character or doesn't like the writing and just playing that card um so they can hopefully make her i don't know look like shit to hollywood uh and what's sad about this whole thing is like wwe knows that the fans are going to take the performer's side but they're still going to watch it's like that triple h comment of like my friend mark and i aren't gonna watch anymore but it's like they just know that eventually they'll watch again and they know that this is going to cause harm when they bring them back which they think they probably will so it's just as such a nasty way to go about doing stuff and it's a deeply cynical um, execution on their part. I don't. I, there's there's no way I can see this not as being just deeply, deeply cynical. Truly, and we here at Wrestling Elitists, uh, we do not watch res, uh, WWE really anymore since WrestleMania happened. But we would like to say that we uh, we do stand with Sasha and Naomi, and that is officially <laughs> why we're not watching. <laughs> <laughs> no, That's it. That is well, officially that why. <laughs> so as of. As of last week, we are not watching specifically because of that incident. So would like to go on record for that. Yeah. We got your back, girls. We got your yeah. back. <laughs> and the other thing, like, I get on their end of like you you want to be very delicate and careful on setting a precedent if like talent doesn't like stuff, because now there's a place that they can go to. 
And so hopefully where this goes to, I hope, is that with all these different TV shows, it br- it like brings back the territories, essentially. And people can leave and they can just get out of there when they're stale. And that'll help probably WWE and AEW long term. Control your narrative, of course. <laughs> um, but it's also going to help them out long term just to get that old cliche of like a fresh coat of paint. And everyone gets to kind of reinvent themselves and try something out. And then when they get pissed off about how they're being not used right, they can go somewhere else where they feel the grass is greener. It's crazy, though, if the grass is greener just to be so close to your contract expiring, if that the reports are like true on that front, you could have just done it. I mean, it speaks to their integrity to not want to just kind of ruin this tag team that they have. But just you're so close to getting out of it, you're probably going to get frozen now in this contract because that's what WWE is going to do because they know you're going to go to AEW or control your narrative. So it just seems like you could have ate shit for two months, but I understand the integrity of wanting to put out good material and work. I'm interested in seeing if the suspension counts towards something that can be frozen because to me, if they're suspending them, as they said, then I feel like that shouldn't then allow their contract to be extended beyond the time period. No, it you will. probably aren't. Will it? I think so. I mean, I'm not a, a specialist for their weird ass, weird illegal contracts, but like, I, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't get to, I mean, well, I hope they get like their downside guarantees. Cause I, cause I understood that those went up really high for people. So if they're yeah. frozen, like maybe they get that because I heard that they're going to take away their merch, uh, you know, the, the payoffs too which is also kind of just like weird. And you're asking it to go into litigation and go to court. And that could be something that's not good for WWE, the, the, uh, you know, the validity of their contracts, like CM Punk proved that these things are worth nothing and they aren't worth nothing because like those, they're independent contractors. This is bullshit. Like there's so many things you could do to poke holes, but I'm not a specialist when it comes to, I don't know, just how the hell they get away with that in Connecticut. I don't know. It's it's the same thing a lot of, you know, non-competes. Chris and I work we work in HR. Uh majority of the time it's one of those things where they have more money than you do to challenge it and they can tie things up a lot yeah. longer. Remember remember Brock when he left WWE back in the early 2000s and went to New Japan, basically it was just a 6-7 year like tie-up thing in terms of like the contract dispute. That's why he went to the NFL. Yeah. Was because of all of that. Because he was like, okay, well, I'll just go make money in the NFL and then the UFC. So, um, and then moving on to just the other news that we did have also coming out of WWE not too long after um, us, I think it was a couple of days after we did last week's episode, is Stephanie McMahon is mm-hmm. stepping, stepping away from uh, her post as the chief brand officer and uh, to spend time with family. Uh, I think Chris and I had very different reactions to what this was. I instantly think that it's it's something negative, whether it's uh, Triple H's health or the uh, health of their marriage or something like that. It just typically you don't hear anything that says, hey, I'm t- stepping away to go have family time in something like this. I don't believe uh, without there being something deeper behind it. Um, that's all speculation on my part. Uh, none of my sources uh, have have said anything else wise, <laughs> otherwise. Lazy um, but then again, my sources are you two. So that's all I've got. <laughs> well, and I think we're, we're viewing this from the prism of working at gigantic companies. 
uh, in HR, and you know that when a male executive is stepping away to focus on his family, that's because he fucked up and he got caught trying to create another family on the side. That's typically <laughs> why that happens. So with Stephanie, that's probably not the case. I don't think that's going to be the natural assumption, but um, that's where people's mind goes. And I think when anyone, based on their work experience, they view this through the prism of where they've been at before. They think, okay, it's either something very, very negative because of the precedent that's been set by executives that have to leave for some mysterious reason, or people are viewing this through a very humane lens, I think, too, and going, okay, maybe she just really does want to take time off and be with the kids after Hunter's able to go back to work and just wants to just be a human fucking being. And if that's the case, that's great that she's able to do that. And I hope like the cynicism of us going like, oh, remember there's smoke where there's fire. <laughs> Um, doesn't preclude people from doing that in the future, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I I hope their marriage is okay. I hope Triple H yeah, is like, okay, yeah. but it does seem odd. But I I don't know. My mind doesn't really go to to speculated points. I'm kind of just trying to uh, see what happens here. I don't think we'll ever actually find out. No, we'll never unless she was off to go do another venture, kind of like Shane McMahon's gone and done throughout his life. I think that's what makes it salacious and interesting is because knowing the McMahons and her being more like Vince and being even called Vincess as opposed to princess as a kid, (laughs) how much she's like him supposedly like he wouldn't, he wouldn't take a day off of work if he tore both of his quads. I mean, that's just kind of how he is. So it's interesting that she's even doing that, but um, I mean, good for her for being human. And it's just, Again, ironic that in one year, in five months, both McMahons have been exiled from the company. Different reasons, and they're different. They're not the same thing, but it's just, it's crazy to think in one year that happened, and Vince is the only McMahon currently working within WWE, and you're like, holy shit, that's weird. Nick Khan is just taking them off one by one, slowly but surely. (laughs) It's going to be his. It's going to take it from Vince. (laughs) I'm the captain now. That's, <laughs> that's him. I mean, I think there's there's going to be more stuff that comes out, but I just don't know the validity of anything. And, you know, I don't know. I thought there was going to be more shit that went on on Friday, but we didn't hear anything. So who knows? A lot of speculation. Well, there's nothing we can speculate about this week's matches. We had some kick-ass matches and some... Not so very good matches as well. So we're <laughs> going to talk about both. Um, Alex, what was your match of the week? Yeah, there was there was two, I think, that especially stood out. And the one that I went with was Kyle O'Reilly defeating Phoenix in the Owen Hart tournament. Uh, is that the semifinal or quarterfinal? Semifinal? Uh, quarterfinal. 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 Yeah, yeah. Um, first of all, just a, a matchup that I did not expect to be as good as it was. And I think that that's part of what push this over the edges, my max of the week versus the other one I was considering, which we'll get into in a minute. That was yours, Chris. Um, I, this one, I went into not having as high of hopes as much as I love both performers. They're just completely different style. And uh, they had such great chemistry. Some of the things that really stood out to me was, uh, you know, Phoenix, when he did the walking the rope uh, and then uh, her Karana to the outside on Kyle O'Reilly, Kyle O'Reilly hitting that, um, the transition into the arm lo- or the arm bar that uh, towards the end of the match, um, just throughout the whole match though, they just, it seemed like they were on the same page and you would have thought that these two are like, you know, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn who have been doing this forever against each other. Uh, for me, it was just 
well exceeded expectations. And, um, you know, it made me excited for the next round, which will be now Kyle O'Reilly versus uh, Samoa Joe. I think that'll be the best match of this tournament uh, in in full, as long as there's not some like outside shenanigans that cause that match to to go a certain way, which obviously we saw at the end of Samoa Joe's match, there was the, him getting hit in the arm with the lead pipe. So that'll probably play into it, but I am very oh, much yeah, looking forward right, to that yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, I was looking to this, looking forward to this match last week. I said it to you guys then, and I think it showed out Kyle O'Reilly just continues to be one of like the low key, just best in the ring wrestlers. There is the, the butterfly suplex catch that he had on Phoenix off the <laughs> yes, top, yes. just amazing. And just <laughs> such a, such a scene to do like the, the chain, the Eddie Guerrero three three amigos with it. It's just amazing. You know, Phoenix continued to do that. Her Karana, like you said, there's a uh, Tope Cone Hero, like in the beginning of the match. Just continues to not give a fuck with his body, even though he had that dislocated arm not too long ago that worked perfectly for Kyle O'Reilly's style just to kind of target that throughout and got him the win with that, that arm bar. So I loved it. I thought it was a great way to... Uh, finish off the semi or the quarterfinal round of the Owen Hart tournament. Yeah. I love Kyle O'Reilly's selling. He's like Terry Funk. He's got that drunken belligerent, like kind of waddling around thing. Bumbling, stumbling. And it's, yeah. And it's like almost on the point of being, okay, that's a little too broad, but he does it in a way that makes it credible. And with all of his submission based wrestling, he does have a way of like bringing things back in and really getting you hooked on. What is he going to do to manipulate a joint or manipulate your arm? Uh, I love the finish. I love that it was just uh, he just got too cute at the end and had his arm just a little bit wide. And that's all it took. Just very intelligent reality based wrestling. And uh, these two are great. This was a low key dream match that like if you, you would never thought two years ago, this could just be a match that would be kind of on TV and like, oh, yeah, it's gonna be in the middle of the show. Like just holy shit, their, their their roster is so goddamn good. Which we'll bring up in our cringe later on of like maybe it wasn't the best utilized roster uh, in terms of their featured uh, Joker spots, but um, this was such a cool match. It was very 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 fun. Four stars. Yeah, we should create a game for every time I reference this. Like you have to take a shot, but. Phoenix was never the one out of the Lucha Brothers that I thought was like the amazing one before they came yeah. to AEW. We passed and him by. He is so much better than. Yeah, I, I like Pentagon. Like, don't get me wrong, but he Phoenix is so much better as like a true wrestler. It's because Pentagon seems like he's closer friends with Alex Abernathy's. <laughs> oh my gosh! Doesn't that kind of like ring true? Like, oh, I think they're like better friends, or like he probably sleeps over at his house sometimes. <laughs> does his yard work yeah why did yeah, he have to be God. the only like valet to come down to the ring throughout the whole tournament only alex abrahentes no one else came out just that ugly mug sweet as Ugh. can be <laughs> your namesake alex all right let's go Change into that. what i thought was my match of the week hangman adam page going over to Keshta. that was a in my opinion four and a quarter star match i thought this felt like sort of like the block A or block B final of the G1. It just had that intensity where they were hitting each other with some live rounds, or at least it sounded like they were live rounds. The The first mat, or the first move was that big kick, and then uh, they referenced that back in the end with Hangman came around with it. Uh, some uh, discus elbows were just stiff as can be, and then just some great near falls with that 
uh last ride was amazing at the end like, oh, i gosh. got like oh my god are they gonna have him go over hangman like i got sucked in and i loved how cm punk on commentary sold all right he's trying to get reps in he's keeping yeah. himself sharp and so he's facing someone who's very very talented and sneaky and could beat him because he wants that challenge it really referenced the competition and again made it feel like a real fight and a real sporting event i thought this was a low key classic in a match that's going to be remembered for years to come. Uh, and I think it'll finish high on, you know, or best matches of the year list. I think, and maybe it's a little bit of recency bias, but I think that I liked that match better than either of the, you know, anything that like Danielson did with uh hangman. I, I knew what I was doing there. Come and on. Uh, I, I just so good. It was, the the elevation that he gets on that last ride, the elevation he gets on his tope to the outside, yeah. Jesus, everything yeah. he does is just different looking. I believe that if you put Takeshita on the main roster as a full-time AEW wrestler, very quickly he becomes a top guy. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes me actually really want to start. I, I think Wrestle Universe is what has DDT. It's also got yeah. Noah. It makes me want to get. It makes me want to start watching DDT because you think Ibushi came from there, Kenny Omega came from there, Takeshita came from there. Like, uh, there's. I think even Rio was there for a while. There are some really, really talented wrestlers that come out of there, and it's just some of some of the stuff that they do is just so different. And it's really hard to be different. I feel like right now in wrestling, there's so many people that are doing the same thing or you know using the same moves, and somehow Takeshita can take a move that we've been seeing for 25 years from the undertaker <laughs> and make it look yeah. devastating. Yeah. His like size and speed and just style and like an aggressive hits throughout all just definitely gave me parallels to Kota Ibushi and just glad to see someone like that over in AEW. Yeah. And it's just timing. That's all it was like this match on paper. Isn't anything special in terms of the false finishes or whatever. It's just that chemistry and that moment of when you kick out and how you execute and land some of these things. Like it just really felt like a big deal where, wow, we could be watching an upset or just something we didn't anticipate to happen. This match didn't have any kind of um, hype coming into it. Wasn't pushed very hard. It was just a hangman title of defense and he's wrestling like he's the fucking ace which i like and it makes it seem very unpredictable for double or nothing it really does and hangman to me like that was a a title even though it wasn't even a title match that was a that was like a kind of a, a made him a made man for me almost type of thing like that match was like fuck it was so good mm-hmm. and then i loved uh i loved to see him hitting the the go to sleep, you know, in retaliation to CM Punk hitting the, the very, very ugly. Uh, I, I, why am I blanking on the name of his buckshot? Buckshot, you know, the week before, and so that was a nice little touch too. Like their their rivalry has been very interesting. I've gone in back and forth two or three times just since last week on who I think is winning, and I'll unveil that next uh, on our bonus episode, mostly because I still Ooh. haven't decided. Ooh. There we go, right? Um, Sneaking that in, Chills. absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, just a great match. And and I hope we get to see it run back. You mentioned Hangman being the ace. He absolutely is right now. The guy can go with anybody. And it's just been really cool to see him go from the guy that we all thought, why is he going against Jericho at all out for the for the first you know shot at the title uh, to, 
I don't want to see CM Punk beat him right now. Yeah, he can do no wrong right now. So pick him. Uh, I love to CM Punk when he, he referenced Tenru. He's like, oh, you know Tenru. It's the way he just <laughs> actually did it. <laughs> He's so fucking fun on commentary too. Like, man, oh man. Mm-hmm. Gotta love it. All right. Well, we had a lot of great moments this week. Alex, what was your favorite moment of this week in AEW TV? So while it ran probably a little bit long, I, I did enjoy the Jericho Appreciation Society and the Blackpool Combat Club segment. Um, just Jericho, when he's talking his shit and not being like the corny like face that he was for a little bit of time, especially with Lambert, I still enjoy him on the mic in those times and having him run down the whole uh, group of Blackpool Combat Club and and then PMP and everybody and just kind of insult them all with stupid insults as a heel. Like when it's corny as a heel, that makes it good, right? Mm-hmm. And the whole like I'm a wizard and and that stuff. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> stupid. I'm, it's so it. dumb, but I love it. It's so stupid, but I just really enjoyed the segment because it, it did a good job of kind of having that the goofiness of Jericho and and his wizard wizardry, uh, but also the seriousness of it. I'm also very, very happy, which I've been talking about for a few weeks. I was worried that they were going to make this a stadium stampede match, which I didn't want. I, I don't like the stadium stampede. I think as Moxley said, that was for a different era. That was for, for before they had, you know, full crowds again. So I'm very much happy that it's going to be, sounds like pretty much an all out warfare type match. Um, I wanted it to be a um, blood and guts, but I also understand not being able to, not wanting to take up all the space that two rings yeah. would take up for the um, for the pay per view. So definitely, overall, just I enjoyed the segment a lot. I think I think it's going to be a really good match. That's one of those ones that's going to slide under the radar for how good it will be. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. as I start to look at this, as I start to look at this card, man, there's I don't know what match is going to be the one that sucks. Save it for the bonus episode. Come on, man. Come I think on. I do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I love just Jericho creating that little bit of dissension in the group with Brian Danielson and Eddie Kingston. Just yep. make them remember about the, the shit that they said about each other and just, you know, these two love to fight. Maybe they'll fight this week and we'll get a nice little rampage match right before the pay-per-view. But who knows? Just love Jericho being the little heel that he is. Eddie's very over too. Like he, oh his God. reactions were big and like uh, he's going to be over huge live. Like I era at the pay-per-view, you can just feel it. Like it's just building and building and building and he's really coming into his own. And it'll be interesting to see what they do with him in the next couple of months. Cause I think he's deserving of uh, a main event run because he's been so fantastic and the crowd really fucking loves him. Sean, what was your moment of the week? Mine was seeing that, um, that giant body Wardlow just surviving all those lashes, but uh, succumbing to the the dynamite diamond ring. Uh, I cannot believe that he goes like seven, seven or eight lashes before even selling a bit. Just fantastic work. Love the entrance from the beginning. Just still working that Goldberg uh, entrance heavy. Um, gets spit in his face. Doesn't sell a thing. He's just ready to get the show over with. Love how they kind of just go straight into it as soon as he gets there. No no bullshit, just straight to it. Um, great setup to the, the cage match, having Sean Spears get a nice little pin in right before MJF doing a little practice, doing the one, two, three. Just, I don't think they can do any wrong with this this state, this build to the match that could be. Who knows if, of course, Wardlow's going to win. But yeah, we don't know. 
We don't know yet, but we'll see. <laughs> it's it's got to happen. We got to see this. It's been building for so long, and it's going to be so great. Yeah, I've been using all my positive vibes towards Wardlow winning this Wednesday. Really, really rub your stones. Rub your Despite stones. Despite the fact that he is zero and two in the cage, you know, so we'll hope for it. But I thought that it was perfectly done. And there's something to be said about just being able to have a baby face that isn't just like a goofball or yeah. um, just kind of like a wimpy, like just a badass. The way that he he stood there and took those lashings, didn't didn't react, uh, loved everything everything about it, and. I think we're going to see we're going to see somebody, you know, become a star in the next week or so. And it's it's really exciting because it does feel like it's been a long time since we've truly seen like a star making performance. I think, you know, you think about Hangman and the rise that we got to see him take. It was very much a gradual with each feud and everything like that. Wardlow's is pretty much going from him being this bodyguard to. All right, here's your chance to shine. So I'm very excited to see. Uh, you know, God willing, MJF versus uh, Wardlow on Sunday. <laughs> God willing. I love the little things too of like just the, the simple thing of like the beat it video door entrance coming up, you know, and like the the old, yeah. like yeah. that shit is great. And just him coming out after that gets raised. MJF coming out and just cutting a heel promo to make sure that he's still the heel because he was so great in Long Island that fans do want to get behind him a little bit. So he just made a point to be so goddamn annoying with the choking on the saying the town and throwing up in his mouth and just being a big ham, but he's gotten Wardlow over too. And he puts him over continuously and continuously during this feud. So he's not trying to just get himself over. And uh, two, I noticed I rewatched it again today. The contrasting emotions after the first lash, MJF just immediately turns his back and starts throwing his arms up, cheering, and Wardlow's <laughs> just like cracking up, like "That's it, you pussy." Just, <laughs> so good, so good. <laughs> All right, so my moment of the week was just a very small one, little line, but God, it had me rolling laughing when Swerve Strickland called Ricky Starks out for dressing like he looked like a bar of soap. <laughs> just like, so, such a great insult oh. and everyone loved it like the crowd's dying everyone's just having a good time at ricky stark's expense uh such a great line ricky stark's is awesome too man we were saying uh in our uh, group chat that he's masculine as fuck when he's feminine and as fuck you know it's just kind of like how that Love guy it. is he just has this like great swagger and su- suave that ricky stark's he's one suave dude he truly is just a smooth talker. And I think what was funny about that was, so Starks walks out, says, uh, that's enough from you, uh, Rex from Toy Story to uh, <laughs> Keith Lee, which was pretty funny. Swerve <laughs> hits the bar of soap line. And then Christian, who's always been kind of considered like one of the better comedic wrestlers, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of like being able to say funny one-liners, came in with the weakest one when he, when yeah. he came out Jungle Boy, just saying like, ah, you look like an old man golfing. <laughs> and you could, it almost felt like he didn't know he was supposed to insult his clothes and he, he like panicked and it just wanted to try to get in on it. <laughs> Christian, your time has come. Alrighty. Well, let's go into what our cringes of the week were. Alex, what was your cringe? Well, a former AEW superstar, Joey Janela. I don't know if you, I know Sean, you saw the clip. I don't know if you did yes. Chris, but he lit his foot on fire for a super ah. kick at a GCW show. 
And then they didn't have fire extinguishers or anything to put it out afterwards. So he was just sitting there trying to like stomp it out and the ring was on fire. Tossing him water bottles. Yeah, they were using water bottles to try to put it out. It just. Oh, man. I already was like apprehensive on if I ever want to go to like a true GCW show. Come on. No, I mean, Sean's reviews. Sean's reviews had me a little bit ready. And then seeing that just, uh, you know, and it's just one of those sad things where I hope Joey's making good money on the indies, but to melt a shoe into your foot, I don't know that he's getting paid that good. And I don't know. I I wasn't really, I I don't want to like, you know, be like happy that he left necessarily, but I wasn't sad to see Joey leave AEW. I didn't think he was really adding much, which is crazy because I was actually really excited when he signed originally, when he was one of the first founding members. But I think he belongs kind of like on the indies. He's one of those guys that that's just, that's just his lane. Definitely. Um, and honestly, he, he just feels like he's on a path of, um, you know, becoming one of those sad stories if he doesn't yeah. reel it in a little bit. And, and that's, that's where the cringe comes in because you don't, you don't want to be doing things just for the sake of shock. I don't think. And, and it feels like, I mean, you even, have you guys seen the video? I think it was him versus Danzig years ago when he got thrown through like a scaffolding that was on fire and everything like that. Just, Jeez. that was, well, that was kind of how he got famous was that. And it feels like he, Danzig. he, I'd, I'd like to see him get over from some really good wrestling or even just when he has guys, uh, you know, when he wrestles the old timers, that's always great. I don't think that he needs to be doing stuff like this. Yeah, pull a sock or a cobra out of your pants and use that. <laughs> that's why it's a lot steeper on your body. The old fashioned <laughs> way. Yeah, the old fashioned <laughs> way. Make some real money. Do the worm. The the flaming uh, super kick just feels totally like a Lauderdale promotions on par with all of that. Just not having a single fire extinguisher ready to go. Not not even a clue. But. I got to get you guys to a GCW show. It's kind of fun and makes me want to go back. I've, I mean, I've been Bloodsport. Well, that's my speed. A true, a true outlaw mud show. <laughs> Goddamn. Uh, my cringe of the week. Uh, originally, I had to say it was the um, the TNT title segment. It just seemed so awful. You have Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti again make out. I don't know how many times I can complain about that on this show, but they're just making out on the back as. Uh, Jericho called him like Reservoir Dog Kazarian just talk some shit for a second just made no sense they're beating this title hopefully we get something new a new title out of this I don't know why you go ahead and bust it or maybe that's why Dan Lambert had the one at American Top Team stashed away but I'm just sick of it it would it's really bringing down the title for me in, in general I don't think you can really do this this many times with this same kind of group of people before you really bring down something like a TNT title. So take a trope that works. Breaking the titles never gotten over. It Mm -hmm. always just, it just is stupid because what's the motivation for Sammy to break it? Really? You want this title so bad. You're going to just destroy it. Like the psychology of it just seems weird and off and it's never worked. And they've tried, they being wrestling companies have tried this numerous times and it's never really effective. Well, and we also happen to know that Dan Lambert still has another one in his collection. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. So, So. like, okay, we'll just use the backup one or just buy one off shop at AEW.com. Promo code (laughs) Wrestling Elitus. That doesn't actually work. One day. One day. (laughs) Wait, what did we talk about that? Uh, (laughs) 
Okay, so one thing that we did talk about uh, at nauseum was the Jokers, and we we're all excited for who was going to be the Jokers, and then it was John Morrison. Um, yeah, just not. Uh, and it maybe it's because I just have a bad taste in my mouth from WrestleCon and the Dirty Dishes match. Um, that's probably a lot of it, but um, eh, just nothing unique. It wasn't anything special. I would have loved to see a guy on the roster qualify and just do two guys that um, maybe could be in another match elsewhere. And that's whatever, it's anything besides this. Um, I just didn't think it worked at all. And then even the um, production of it, of just showing him doing that, the rock star pose and using like WWE's camera work was weird. And then there were some uh, untimely blown spots as well, or just things that just looked sloppy. Uh, the one thing that was fun watching it in hindsight, though, was Samoa Joe's complete, like, nonplussed look at John Morris when he came in and just like who gives a shit about this guy like just it just no sold him completely I thought that was fun um and then on the uh women's side of the bracket um you know just yeah just I don't get it like nothing it just was yep. odd and it was too comedy-ish and it just didn't work in that moment and that context maybe there's another place for her, and she could get over as a character not unlike dan Housen and orange cassidy but in that moment in the reveal it's going to make fans go what the fuck is this as opposed to like oh this is kind of a cool unique kind of thing that she does it's different i yeah I'll, I'll start on the the john morrison johnny elite thing First of all, I, I really think that I should have realized by the fact that Tony Khan didn't oversell who the Jokers were going to be, that that was a sign that it wasn't going to be anybody great. Uh, because if we know anything about Tony Khan, it's that he loves to surprise make you. Yeah, he loves his surprises and he really loves to talk him up a little bit more than he should. And except for the time that it was CM Punk and then he just doesn't say anything. Which I totally agreed with the way they did it, but it's kind of funny that that was how they did that. Um I think that John Morrison just I if I never saw him wrestle again it'd be too soon. You know, go make another Boone movie for me or something. Please we can talk. But I just haven't really enjoyed seeing him wrestle for a while and wasn't excited to see him there and the match was clunky. It didn't do anything any favors for Samoa Joe in the tournament. Um, and there, you know, even that jump to the outside that he did, it was, took him five, six, seven seconds to do it. And he's trying to wave Joe over to yeah. take, to take yeah, the spot. That was bad. Uh, that, that four fifty splash. Um, you know what, if they ever put that out on streaming, they should actually just cut that part out. I don't even care how bad it would look because it wouldn't look as bad as that four fifty that he tried to do from halfway across the ring. Absolutely. That was, yeah. Garbage. That was like Vince mm. taking a sunner bad straight on his <laughs> but, knees. Yeah. Jeez. It was just awful and um yeah so i just i wasn't happy with it and then maki ito i mean she's she i can see i can see value in her but also it's this very as much a similar case where i why have they not signed and and i guess maybe the answer is that athena doesn't want to go to AEW. maybe she's enjoying being on uh, on the indies or maybe some of these other women that have been get that have been released have enjoyed that but how is she not been you know somebody who's been able to sign with AEW and could have been in that spot um it just doesn't doesn't really make sense to me and i i'd really like to see i'd really like to have seen somebody else go against brit because brit kind of has not really had much great things happen since she lost the title i mean the women's division hasn't had much 
greatness since since she left or since she lost the title. I'm looking forward to Tony versus Britt, but I would have liked to have seen Britt at least have have a little bit more serious of an opponent. Yeah, just for having such a bloated roster with such great talent at the top, just really makes no sense for me to bring in Johnny John Morrison, Johnny Impact, Johnny Elite. It kind of makes me Johnny fearful that that what's that? Johnny Dark Elevation. <laughs> oh, that's what makes Johnny me work. Ga- He's Johnny Game Changer too. Oh, oh yeah. Ugh. Just it makes me worried that like this will be though he'll probably be around a couple more times. That the fact that he didn't come in at some other name. I, they just don't need someone like that. There's too many people on the roster. You don't need anyone else to kind of fill the dark elevation spots or dark spots. And I get Ma- Maki Ito's internet presence and fandom throughout Reddit and all that, but just not not for me, not for us. Subjective art form, but I just there's too many people on the roster to 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 give it to these kind of jokers that are just going to go away and not do much for your future product. Literal jokers. Yeah. And then I think too, it's a missed opportunity in the sense of like, uh, there's a lot of negativity swarming women's wrestling right now and not doing enough with the women that you have and giving them great opportunities and great moments. I mean, you see it with, I fucking love them, Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa, but the program hasn't been that exciting. And the time that Serena Deeb got uh, with Dusted in this last week, like, yeah, I'm sure that was cathartic as hell and very riveting and personal for her to share that story. And it makes sense. And it's timely and relevant with like, you know, facing possible harassment, but you put Dusted in this neutered role. um, And you want, I think too, like not to sound woke as hell here but like you want to give fans some hope that there's males within the roster that respect women's wrestling too and dustin we know is an advocate behind the scenes so like why do you neuter him in that scenario like create the illusion that there's supporters behind the scenes especially of an older generation i don't know maybe that makes me sound like too millennial or whatever the fuck but i just was like eh i didn't look at you no be the leader of the charge (laughs) millennial more that's what we call him be the change I want to be. Yeah. The change you want to see. <laughs> uh, we are the world. Okay. Um, so going into our anticipations of the week, as Alex foreshadowed, we are going to have a bonus episode this week. We're going to do on a big old double or nothing preview. But as we head to double or nothing week, what are the things that are standing out to you that you're excited about without, of course, spoiling our big show? Absolutely. So I think the first, the big one is, is the big title match. It's hangman versus punk, which I think for the long, for the longest time, other than full gear, even prior to this, this podcast being in existence, it, the title match wasn't always our biggest thing that we were excited about. It was always yeah. something else. It was CM, seeing CM Punk for Darby or Danielson. is Adam Cole going to show up is uh, yeah. Is redacted going to show up is, you know, anything like that. And to have it where it feels for me like 100% the main event is the big title is exciting to me. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And then a little bit more like on the like lighthearted side, I- I'm really looking forward to seeing the Hookhausen debut, getting to see yeah. that that bromance start. Um, you know, I was wondering if maybe you guys would want to, we'd have to find a third, but uh, person to be it, but maybe we dress as Hookhausen for the the wrestling show uh, in June. You know, I'll I'll do the Danhausen stuff. I think Chris has some hook hair, potentially. Uh, yeah, you should have seen And then Sean, maybe be Taz. What do you, What are you calling me? 
big? A suplex machine? Portly? Suplex machine, that's suplex all I'm saying. Machine? Uh-huh. If I can, at least if I can get one on one of you, then I'll do it. <laughs> Love it. You can do start Smart Mark Sterling. Uh, that's... You know, that's the premier that's podcaster. Yeah, I know. I saw, I, I saw there those... There we go. I saw that body in the gym, man. You're Tony Nese. You got it going. <laughs> oh, that Dallas gym. What are you boys looking forward to? I'm uh I'm looking forward to I feel like every time there's a pay-per-view with uh, AEW just like there's like five weeks that surround it there's always a good wrestling show they just continue to run on a high so the plenty of good wrestling that we're about to get but coming up on the pay-per-view really looking forward to seeing what we're going to get with that MJF and Wardlow match if we're even going to get it and how good it's going to be once we get it could be MJF versus Johnny Elite you never know oh no, uh, I'm excited just for the hard sell for Hangman and CM Punk. I think things were a little bit derailed with Hangman getting COVID and maybe kind of knocking the uh, starting off a little bit the way they didn't want to, whatever the hell. They both played kind of tweener-ish characters, and so it'd be great to just have them have mic time and cut promos on each other, and I think they're going to do a masterful promo. Uh, CM Punk has done great, great, great promos before his pay-per-view matches with MJF and Eddie Kingston. So I think there's going to be another great one that's going to help those last minute buys. And hopefully they have a huge buy rate. Absolutely. And uh, I would like to add in one more. Can I do one more bonus anticipation for myself? No. Wait for that. No. Shoot. Shoot well, shot. You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to say it. <laughs> Looking forward to sleeping over Chris's house. Oh, oh yeah. You. Can't wait to sleep in the garage. <laughs> He's finally going to let me. Those of you that don't know that 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 magical story, uh, Sean and I had a uh, glass of Chardonnay, a couple glasses, couple <laughs> glasses. Couple glasses. No, I'm not a lightweight, but and, uh, it was a long day. Yeah, I was very concerned that because uh, he wanted to sleep in the hammock in our garage, and I was very concerned that he would somehow perish in the hammock. <laughs> Eaten by bears or or spiders would get you in there in my garage. (laughs) Sometimes there's spiders in there. I was genuinely, genuinely concerned. And it worries me even now thinking of you sleeping in the garage. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see how the night goes. No, it should be a hell of a night. They do a great job in pay-per-view. We'll be looking forward to talking to you about that. We'll be dropping a bonus episode this week. And as another special little bonus, I'm going to put up on uh, WrestlingElitist.com a look back at Double or Nothing 2021. So just going to do a little bonus episode as well. So, all right. Well, thanks for listening to today's show. As mentioned, we're going to have a bonus episode that's going to hit you later on this week. If you'd like to continue to support the show, please subscribe via Spotify or iTunes or wherever you stream your podcasts. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends within the wrestling community to help us organically build our multimedia platform. You can follow us at Wrestling Elitist Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And finally, please visit our website at WrestlingElitist.com to get our latest match ratings and articles. Rick Rude, send us out. Yikes. Hit the music!